Matthew 27, 37 through 44. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teacher of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. John 19, 25 through 27. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary the Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there besides the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Matthew 27, 45 to 49. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabbathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling out for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. John 19, 38 through 42. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. Then Pilate gave permission. Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb, never used before, and so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. I want to thank each of you for being here tonight and for joining us in this time. I often wonder if we rush past the events of Good Friday because they're just too painful. Words like alone, betrayed, shame and abandoned, 
Do not speak to the place that we like to live. We see these words, feelings, and thoughts to be avoided. Yet without the emotions and lows of Friday, does Sunday have the same excitement and celebration as I've spent this week preparing for tonight and for Sunday morning? There's something I've found that I actually enjoy about Good Friday. Good Friday's raw. It's the raw emotion of Good Friday that I want to invite you just a little deeper into than maybe you've already been. One more time, I want us to wrestle with this idea of abandoned. Abandon means to give up or discontinue any further interest in something because of discouragement, weariness, distaste. It means to forsake or desert. Step one more time with me, if you will, into the shoes of those closest to Jesus. These folks have given up their jobs, lives, and dreams to follow Jesus. They've sacrificed their time, their money, and families for this traveling preacher. They've done their best to understand his teaching. They've seen him heal the sick, welcome the outsider, and raise the dead. Yet now John, Mary Magdalene, and Jesus' mom stand at the foot of the cross, watching and listening as the one they've given up everything for dies before their eyes. In the dark, uh, it is dark in the middle of the day. Hope has died. Their Messiah is dead. And once again, they're alone. Will they go back to the fishing boats, to the stench of those nets? Will Matthew go back to his tax collecting booth? Would either of those jobs ever be the same again? For the women who followed, will there ever be another rabbi who will give them the dignity that Jesus did? Sure, they still have each other, but they've been abandoned by their leader. The one who brought this motley crew together is gone. They heard him say, it is finished. Those words ring in their ears and break their hearts as they leave the scene of Jesus' crucifixion. It is finished. I wonder if they thought to themselves, what is finished? Wasn't the Messiah supposed to overthrow the Roman government? That's not finished. Wasn't it supposed to be different from every other rabbi? His end is death just like every other rabbi. Then there's Peter. Not only does Peter feel abandoned by Jesus, but for the rest of his life, he will feel the guilt of his betrayal. There will be no closure. There will be no opportunity to look Jesus in the eye and say, I'm sorry. 
no chance to sit down and listen to Jesus teach again. There is simply the heavy burden that weighs on his shoulders of the time when he was given the chance to stand up for what he believed. He abandoned the one he loved, the one who gave him purpose. I can't even begin to know the pain that Mary felt as she watched her oldest son suffer on the cross and be publicly ridiculed, watching her son be abandoned by friends, disciples, and to suffer alone. One of my favorite devotional writers, Ken Geyer, paints this picture for us. Deep down inside, Mary knew that Jesus was a child born to die. He would not grow up to be a doctor or a lawyer. He would not marry or give her grandchildren to carry on the family name. She's known this for a long time now and has buried it in her heart. In pools of tears swim a few tender memories. His birth in that cold, dark stable in Bethlehem. How he shivered as she held him for the first time, so tiny and helpless how her breasts warmed him, how her song lulled him to sleep, and how when she kissed his forehead, he looked so peaceful and angelic. The cross comes into focus again, and she sees crude, hunched over men, gambling their souls away as they cast lots for his clothes. She looks up at her son and aches. He is naked, and there's no one to warm him. He's thirsty. And there's no one to wet his lips. He's tired. And there's no one to sing him to sleep. His forehead is wrinkled in agony. And there's no one to kiss him. abandoned. We know what it feels like to be abandoned. My guess is there's some of you who are going through it right now, a trial, an illness, and you feel like everyone has left you. You're doing your best to get through, but you know you're alone. Maybe a close friend has hurt you and you are agonizing over how you save that relationship. Or maybe the spouse who promised to be with, with you for better or for worse is contemplating whether they want to keep that promise. And there are no easy answers. I want to encourage you not to rush through this space. I know it can be hard to sit with emotions, to have tears stream down our faces, and to allow the pain to overwhelm our hearts and bodies. But know that you are not alone in this place. The disciples heard the crowd chant to crucify Jesus. Mary, a broken-hearted mother with tear-stained cheeks, knows your pain. Those who follow Jesus closely are alone, and they too know the hurt of feeling abandoned. 
Jesus felt the thorns on his head. He felt the piercing and burning sensation as the nails went through his wrists and ankles. The truth of the text we read tonight reminds us that we worship a God who knows what it's like to feel all the emotions we feel. The sun went dark at noon and for three hours, Jesus hung on the cross in darkness. People passed by and spat on him, gambled for his clothes, and celebrated his death. It was in those three hours that what Jesus begged to have passed over him in the Garden of Gethsemane came to rest on his shoulders, and that is the sin of the world. It was in this moment when Jesus took our sin on his shoulders that the Father turned his back on his son, abandoned. Abandoned because of our sin, abandoned because of our pride, selfishness, lust, anger, and the list goes on. But make no mistake about it. It was not the Jewish leaders who brought Jesus to this point. It was not Pilate that put Jesus on the cross. It was not the Roman guards who did the work. God, the Father, and Jesus orchestrated these events. Jesus knew since the moment that Adam and Eve took a bite of the fruit in the Garden of Eden that this was his mission. Jesus begged the Father for this moment to pass, but he knew that this moment was exactly why he had come to earth. Jesus came to bear the weight of the sin of all mankind, past and present. He came to bear that weight alone, the ultimate act of love for all the world. Has for a brief moment torn the Trinity apart. This act of love for you and I separate the Son from the Father as the Father turns his back and abandons the sun because of our sin. Alone in the darkness, if Jesus was to offer salvation and forgiveness of sin for all humanity, this moment had to happen. As Jesus hung on the cross in darkness, abandoned by the Father, the pain seems to have become too much for him to bear. And he cries out asking a question that I believe might be one we've screamed before. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anyone else here tonight cried that out in the midst of life's deepest pain? Or maybe you were too afraid to scream it out loud. But in your heart, you ask, God, where are you? I'm hurting, and I feel alone. There are dark periods in all of our faith journeys where we feel alone. We wonder if it will ever end, and we wonder if God has abandoned or forgotten us. The powerful truth of Good Friday is that Jesus suffered this abandonment so that we would never be alone. 
You see, because the minute Jesus cried out, it is finished, the curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom. The curtain separated normal people like you and I from the place where God dwelt inside the temple in the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could go in there, and only once a year. But when God ripped that curtain from top to bottom at the minute Jesus' life passed by, we have full access to God the Father. Because of the cross, because Jesus suffered alone, abandoned by his Father, we will never be abandoned. By the Father. We worship a God who knows our pain. We worship a God who wants to be with us in the darkest moments of life. Who suffered alone. So that we don't have to. There is hope coming. But for now. Like the disciples. Like Mary Magdalene. Like Jesus' mom. And the others who followed, I want you to let these words wash over you. Feel what it it would have been like to be there when Jesus was crucified. Smell the air. Hear the hammer and the screams. Feel the shiver down your spine. Allow the feelings of betrayal. Loneliness. Shame, grief, and abandonment to engulf you. May those emotions cause us to say, like the Roman guard who stood at the foot of the cross as Jesus died, this man truly was the Son of God. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, it doesn't make any sense that you sent your Son to die for us. That in his death on that cross, our sins were wiped away. We were made clean. Our relationship with you was restored. God, as we think back to that Good Friday, good because we're set free, good because the act of a loving God provides us with forgiveness, but a Friday full of emotion. God, I pray that over the next 36 hours, we find time to sit and think about those emotions. To put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. God, thank you for their example of what it looks like to live in the in-between. Thank you for your son for his incredible sacrifice. We pray all this in his name.
and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.